Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event in weekly Bible study for September 5th, 2010. And we're going to shift gears here and go into some more updates on the uh, whole Gulf oil disaster. Uh, this first article is entitled, Gulf, Loops, Gulf Loop Current Stalls from the BP Oil Disaster. Global Consequences if Current Fails to Reorganize. And it has a thing on here... Fe- July 28th was the day the loop current actually stalled. This has actually happened quite a while ago, even, over a month ago. This is from uh, Pure Energy System News, Sterling D. Allen. It's from August 28th. It says, this could be the most significant man-caused earth changes thus far in my lifetime, the, the man writing this article. This morning, Leslie Pastor informed New Energy Congress of a report by your own by, it's called Your Own World USA, that as of July 28th, oceanographic satellite data now shows that the loop current in the Gulf in Mexico has stalled as a consequence of the BP oil spill disaster. This according to, to Dr. Gunligi Zangari, a Italian theoretical physicist and major complex and chaotic systems analysis at the Frasciti National Laboratories in Italy. He further notes that the efforts of this stall have begun to spread to the Gulf Stream. This is because the loop current is a crucial element of the Gulf Stream itself, and why it is commonly referred to as the main engine of that stream. The concern now is whether or not the natural processes can reestablish the stall loop current. If not, we could begin to see global crop failures as early as 2011. Images of the day after tomorrow flashed in my head. I guess a movie named Day After Tomorrow. The disruption of major ocean currents is no small thing. The climate ramifications are massive and worldwide. The Gulf Loop is the current loop. The Gulf Loop is the current that loops up to the right of the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, then drops down to the left of Florida, where it then passes below Florida into the Atlantic, where it contributes then to the Gulf Stream, which passes up the east coast of the United States and Canada, and then actually gets over into Europe. The Gulf Stream is what keeps the east coast of the U.S., as well as Britain and Europe, more temperate, compared to what they would be without this warm current passing by. After reading through this article, seeing its scientific backing, and discussion of the ramifications, I went up to Google to see if this is getting mainstream press attention. A Google News search for loop current stalled came up not a nothing. Now, there's stuff up there now because this has, you know, been, you know, some days that this has happened. But going further, it says, how could this be? I wondered, this is huge, and it's something that mainstream science and the mainstream press could easily verify and report on. I then placed a call to Paul Noel, who seems to always be up on things like this. I caught him in the middle of a family vacation event at a museum, so I was only able to speak with him a couple of minutes. But he said that he noticed that the current had stalled himself. He said, quote, I checked the current loop current periodically, he said. He also said that a new phenomenon had cropped up on the beaches, something about a bathtub ring of oil residue. I didn't catch how this was new, but then he had to go. So apparently, this is a breaking development that will most likely take a while to sink in, just as the initial BP ring of fire and sinking oil um, took a while for people to realize its significance and impact. The people still living near the Gulf may yet be in denial as to the impact of the toxic fumes coming off the slick, poisoning their rain and their crops and groundwater. Now the other shoe drops, the loop current stalls, and now the globe will feel the impact. The mechanism by which the oil slick could lead to something like this could have to do with the change viscosity of the water penetrated with the oil to great depths due to the corexit dispersant. And it could have to do with the darkened water attracting more solar heat, increasing its temperature as well. Here is the rest of the story from Your Own World USA. And you can click on that. I'm not going to go any further into that. But uh, I couldn't find anything that refuted the story either. I, I did several different keyword searches. And uh, seems to be very authentic. So that's something to, to kind of bear in mind and think about. Now the next article is entitled, The Gulf Blue Plague is Evolving. This is actually part two, and the reason I'm not reading part one is I've already covered a lot of the stuff I believe in part one, Um, but this is uh, another 
this source is worldvisionportal.org. It's by Michael Edward. He goes on to say, if you haven't read the the Gulf Blue Plague is evolving or Gulf oil dispersant corrects it is 11 times more lethal than oil, you should do so now in order to better understand what's being presented here. Well, again, I've covered a lot of that material. Both articles, along with others related to the Gulf time bomb, biological disaster, can be found, and I give you all the links here if you want to explore this further. Without a doubt, the Gulf Blue Plague is evolving biologically, as you will see factually from data set before you here. In all probability, this is the primary reason the mainstream media has been silenced, especially with regards to local media outlets along the Gulf Coast. The Gulf of Mexico is a biological time bomb that is undoubtedly evolving into a chemically induced breeding ground for mutating viruses. All the aspects exist in the Gulf right now and have been established over the last three months. Their ongoing manipulated evolution into a viral plague or viral epidemic is yet is evident, yet has been totally ignored. So, going further, the most prevalent ingredient in the Corexit is 2-butylethanol. This compound chemical is especially toxic to the blood, kidneys, liver, and central nervous system of all mammals, including porpoises, whales, and humans. Corexit also ruptures red blood cells, and of by itself it can cause cancer and birth defects. Oil mixed with Corexit is 11 times more lethal than the oil alone. The EPA eventually conceded that Corexit is a deadly toxic brew for 50% of any group of test animals that comes in contact with it. It's really 100% lethal. I mean, if, you, if you're exposed to enough of it. Yet, despite the obvious inherent dangers of Corexit, it's being sprayed nightly by boats and aircraft in a foolish attempt to disperse the surface oil and continue with the ruse that the northern Gulf of Mexico is nothing to be concerned about any longer. The problem with using Corexit, especially in the insane amounts that have already been implied, is that it has never been tested in such massive quantities. It has never been tested for use on fragile ecosystem marshes. It has never been tested for depths below 1,000 meters. And it has never been tested for use with large quantities of bacteria, such as exist in great quantities in the Gulf of Mexico. Gulf fishermen and shrimpers are now speaking out about how they have sighted graveyards of birds, fish, dolphins, and whale corpses floating on the surface, which are secretly being removed during the night by unknown third-party contracted vessels. Now, I've reported on this extensively in the past. It's a big cover-up at this point. It's all it is. Chris Pinatek, a marine biologist and campaigner with the Sea Turtle Restoration Project, confirmed what Steve and others had told me. The Coast Guard planes were flying out at night, spraying Corexit on the water and the land. They... They said, he said, people need to realize that their water, the air, the sand they're walking on, uh, the things they're touching when they wake up in the morning are coated with this stuff. We're producing an experiment in the Gulf, the likes of which no one was ever seen. Top scientists admit that we are part of this experiment, the, the humans. Uh, Dr. Cake, along with the commercial fishermen and Gulf Coast environmentalists, are drawing direct parallels to BP's oil disaster and the use of toxic dispersants as the likely cause of the increased number of fish kills they are witnessing. There are several parallels to the spill, Dr. Cake added. We have evidence from fishermen operating in their, they're called the Vessels of Opportunity Fleet, and fishermen in the immediate area who observed the spraying of dispersants by both aircraft and vessels in the immediate vicinity of fish kills. Therein lies one triggering mechanism. But far more important is that Corexit is a mutagen when in the presence of bacteria, for which the Gulf of Mexico is a primary aquatic source. Very few people understand what a virus is or how it evolved. Now, I tried to simplify this. This got kind of technical here. I tried to simplify this so people could understand the concept here. So just kind of bear with me here. In the same respect, most don't comprehend what bacteria are, nor do they grasp what a cellular mutation is. Bacteria are a large group of single-cell microorganisms that grow to a fixed size and then pre reproduce through a form of asexual reproduction, meaning they can produce essentially by themselves. Um, under optimal conditions, bacteria can grow and divide rapidly, and some bacterial populations can double as quickly as every 9.8 minutes. Most bacteria inherit identical copies of their parents' genes, meaning they clone themselves. However, all bacteria can evolve through changes made in their genetic material DNA 
caused by mutations. Mutations come from errors made during replication or cloning of themselves of the DNA or from exposure to mutagens such as certain chemicals like Corexit. So in other words, we got this, all these tons of bacteria in the Gulf and they're being exposed to this mutagen that's, that's going to create this mutant-like bacteria in the Gulf. Despite their apparent simplicity, bacteria can also form complex associations with other organisms. If bacteria form a parasitic association, they are classified as pathogens. Pathogenic bacteria are a major cause of death and human disease. Not all bacteria are bad, as some are actually good for humans. Of the 400 types of bacteria that live in the human digestive system, many are considered good bacteria. Those are the things like acidophilus and bifidus and those types of things you can take to populate your intestinal tract. The modern word virus comes from the same Latin word which refers to poison and other noxious substances. Essentially, a virus is a poison, an imported toxic or an imported toxic body. The origins of viruses are always conceived at a cellular level during their onset of existence. In the early 20th century, an English bacteriologist named Frederick Twork discovered a certain group of viruses that infect bacteria. These particular virally infected bacteria are now called bacteria bacteriophages or simply phages. Bacteriophages are common and diverse group of viruses and are most abundant form of biological entity in aquatic environments, which would be like the Gulf. There are up to 10 times more of these viruses in the oceans than there are bacteria by themselves, reaching levels of 250 million bacteriophages per milliliter of seawater. What we're seeing in the Gulf of Mexico is a vast microcosm community of bacteriological viruses that are prime candidates for mutation if certain factors are present, such as mutagenic chemicals like already existing there. The word mutagen comes from Latin meaning origin of change. A mutagen is a physical or chemical agent that changes the genetic material of an organism. Because of this genetic change, it increases the frequency of mutations above the typical level. Everything that causes a mutagen is called a mutating agent or a mutagen. There are three basic types of mutagens. Chemical mutagens, such as pesticides, benzene, methane, and others. Well, we already know about methane, benzene, all kind of other garbage they're putting in there, in the Gulf. Then there's physical mutagens, such as ultraviolet rays or radioactivity. Well, you know you have a lot of ultraviolet activity with the sun on the water. So you've got two factors. And then there's biomutagens, which are bacteria and viruses. Well, we already know that they're already present in the water. If a bacterial cell containing an an integrated viral DNA is exposed to these things, such as UV light, ionizing radiation, or chemical agents that cause mutation, the virus then can become activated. Once activated, the mutated virus replicates, matures, and is then released. Notice in this scenario, all three growth factors for mutagens are present and, and these are the exact same conditions that now exist in billions of gallons of seawater in the Gulf. The above clearly outlines what happens when certain chemical compounds, such as those found in Corexit, are introduced to bacteria or viral bacteriophages. The result is a mutated virus that quickly duplicates itself, develops into maturity, and then discharges itself into the environment. A water environmental discharge will become airborne due to high temperatures, and also as a result of storms, I guess, from the evaporation. So these can actually get up into the clouds. Chemical mutagens have been proven to increase the rate of genetic and chromosomal abnormalities by as much as 100 times higher than the typical rate for spontaneous mutations. Simply said, the introduction of chemical agents supercharges the speed of mutation in a host organism. Uh, Corexit, in its many various forms is what the U.S. federal government and U.S. Department of, of Defense is spraying from boats and aircraft onto the surface of the Gulf of Mexico to disperse the oil. Many blame only BP for using Corexit. But the truth is, President Obama authorized the spraying and the use of this dispersant in early May. That's why C-130 Hercules aircrafts from the U.S. Air Force and Coast Guard are involved, along with private contractors, quasi-military mercenary corporations, in spraying it from their boats. Um, one of the main ingredients in Corexit is benzene. Of and by itself, this chemical is volatile, industrial solvent that comes from crude oil. It's also, as we've said before, 
the backbone of almost every carcinogen that we know, um, meaning cancer-causing. So benzene short-term exposure can cause death. Um, it can in low levels it can cause drowsiness, dizziness, rapid heartbeat, headaches, tremors, confusion, unconsciousness. This is also being becoming known as the BP flu or the blue flu or the Gulf flu that's happening to a lot of people down there. Human exposure to benzene is a global health problem. Benzene targets liver, kidney, lung, heart, and brain can cause DNA strands to break and chromosomal damage. Isn't it funny? It seems like there are just always our DNA is under assault constantly. I keep bringing it up every week, every week, about our DNA being defiled or under assault. If there was ever a perfect chemical agent to be classified as a super mutagen, benzene is it. So what does all this mean? The Gulf of Mexico is a breeding ground for a pandemic viral plague, primarily because of the chemical mutagens being dumped into the water in vast quantities that we may never be able to properly verify. The use of Corexit is no different than adding gasoline to a small flyer, fire. The blue Gulf plague may, may not just be evolving any longer. It may have already been started to mature and replicate in immeasurable amounts. All of it will take, all it will take for the blue Gulf plague to become worldwide epidemic is for a minuscule cluster of virally infected bacteria to be immersed in a chemical mutagen such as Corexit. The potential results could make the Spanish flu of 1918 look minor in comparison. Now, I've reported extensively on the Spanish flu of 1918. I actually even did a 14-city tour back in 05 regarding that subject as the backbone of my talk. So, uh, you can go up on the internet and key in Scott Johnson on YouTube. And uh, avian flu or Spanish flu, and uh, you'll find those talks. While those of us living on the Gulf Coast go about our daily lives, a time bomb is ticking louder and louder in the Gulf of Mexico. It is not a matter of if there is a mutant virus is present. It is a matter of when the first cluster will spread. It ha if it hasn't already started and how fast it will become a pandemic of astronomical proportions. We have sent our research and findings to private biology and viral experts for further verification. Water samples have been sent to a university laboratory outside of North America. All additional results will be published as soon as they are received. Uh, I have gotten a lot of requests over time for, okay, the, the colloidal silver that I recommend. Just go up to dr-johnson.com, and you can actually even listen to the most current presentation I did on the colloidal silver um, you won't see me talking, but you'll see PowerPoint slides, and I'll be talking in the background. You can actually go up to that site, dr-johnson.com, and click on, I think I've got four individual, four or five individual teachings on that. And um, uh, you can get it there, or you can get it through me directly. I still have that special going. Just email me at drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot netcom, dot com. I have the special on that as well. I just say that because... This is something that I don't know how quickly it could develop into something. I know that they're going to start pushing the flu vaccines again. Uh, I was wanting to talk about that this week, but uh, just too much information to report on. I might have to push that ahead to next week. But this, uh, with the flu pandemic or, or the flu shot season coming, uh, they're going to be putting out all kind of garbage and hype to get you to take it. And the flu, this current flu shot and the one even from last year now are being banned in many of the countries now around the globe. They're causing seizures and all kind of horrific things going on. So um, bear that in mind. We're, we're coming to that point now that we get to at this time of year where that starts to become a big thing like it does every single year. And the reason that I'm trying to um, expose that is to sound the alarm on that and get people educated so that people aren't lining up to get these toxic injections put into their bodies and that so you, that you can educate other people too. Let's go further. Uh, this is Test Find Sicken Family has 50.3 part per million of Corexit 2 butyl ethanol in their swimming pool. And they just they live one hour north of Tampa. Um, our heads are still swimming. This is from FloridaOilSpillLaw.com. This has been their main, main story for probably like 10 days at least. Our heads are still swimming, stated Barbara Schleimner, 
of Homosassa, Florida, who received word last Friday that the test results on the water from her sw- family's swimming pool showed 50.3 part per million of butyl ethanol, which is a marker for the dispersion of Corexit 9527A, um, which is the obviously what's being used to break up and sink the BP oil spill. And they, I actually give you a picture of the of the um, lab results here. It's this is authentic. I mean, we're not making this stuff up. The problems began for the Schleiblers. It's a real tongue twister, their last name. A few weeks after the April 20 blowout, they said, quote, Our first clue were rashes we both got early in May. Both my husband and I couldn't get rid of the rashes. We had to get some kind of cream from our doctor. I have never had a rash in my life, they noted. The, the, the man noted. Then, on July 23rd, my husband Warren mowed the lawn. It was so hot, he got in the pool to cool off afterward. That afternoon, he had severe diarrhea and very dark urine. This lasted about two days, she revealed. Initially, they reasoned that this was caused by the heat. The following week, Mr. Mr. Schleibler again mowed the lawn and went into the pool, and again, he was sickened with the same severe symptoms. So, suspicious that the pool may be a problem, the family set out to get the water tested. They found Robert Naaman, a mobile Alabama chemist who performed multiple tests. One, he performed three different tests. He also performed them for WKRG Channel 5 out of Mobile. Warren collected a water sample from the pool filter on August 17th, packed the sample according to Mr. Naaman's instructions, and overnighted it to the mobile Alabama lab the same day, she noted. The results were delivered by Naaman over the phone on August 27th, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. A copy of the findings were emailed to the family, and you can view the documents. I give you a link. You can view them. Uh, Naaman said our pool water was contaminated with 50.3 parts per million of this marker for Corexit. A July letter from a four top scientist noted that the Corexit 9527A uh, contains this butoethanol, which is a toxic solvent that ruptures red blood cells, causes hemolysis, bleeding, and liver and kidney damage. A uh, safety sheet provided by Nalco, the manufacturer of the Corexit 9527, warns, it says, quote, it's harmful if absorbed through the skin, may be harmful if swallowed, may cause liver and kidney effects and or damage. There may be irritation to the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, warns severe diarrhea and very dark urine appear to indicate gastrointestinal tract ir- irritation, also urinary tract. I mean, it says it can affect the kidneys, too. BP press officer Dean... Buato released a statement on August 28th that read, Unified command records indicate that the last date that Corexit 9527 was sprayed was May 22nd, which is almost three months before the samples were taken from the pool. Yet, the Schleiblers report in the second time in the last 10 days that the two-butyl-ethanol marker for Corexit has been discovered near the Gulf. It has also been found near the Florida border of Cotton Bayou, Alabama, at about one quarter of the levels that were recorded in this Homosassa pool. Um, a WKRG segment from August 19th featured an inland water sample that tested for 13.3 parts per million of the Corexit dispersant. The question remains how did this chemical find its way into the Schleibler's pool in such a high concentration? Well, this is the Schleibler's talk, and they said at night we would hear very low aircraft, including helicopters. We figured they were just heading up to help out in the Gulf. And Mrs. Schleibler added that she was told the prevailing winds from the Gulf are easterly. And when they spray, it is airborne, and we are right in the path of those winds. It was also noted that we had a lot of rain here before my husband got sick and wondered what was going on. We had been having downpours all of July. So, again, this stuff's getting inland. It's getting into people's pools. You know it's going to be contaminating the groundwater. How far it's actually getting across the state, it's hard to say. But um, this is just one report of many. I mean, there's so many reports on this on this GulfOilSpillLaw.com or OilSpillLaw.com. I mean, I can't even keep up with them. I'm just going to read you some of the titles of ones I got from the last few days on off the site, and I'm giving you the links here. You can go click on them and explore them further. I just don't have time to get into all these stories. There's too many. First story. A thousand parts per billion of toluene is found inland near the Florida border. Hydrocarbon levels that exceed safe exposure limits are present in multiple areas. So here's another place where we're picking up these chemicals. 
The next story, and this is just the title, Oil was apparently airborne, says city-employed geologist. Reports of oily brown substance that you could actually feel in your hair. Now, these are either there's either audio or video associated with every one of these links I'm talking about. Next article. Mississippi officials find 80 to 90% of oysters dead. Claim that no evidence that oil contributed to it, though, at all. Oh, so they found 80 to 90% of the oysters did, but, but no, the, the core exit of the oil, they didn't contribute to it at all. No. Next article. Inland fish kill near Destin, Florida. Reporter says red plume replaced the visible bottom and an oily sheen with a foamy, bubbling substance with red stringy globs. BP denies the link. Of course, they're going to deny everything at this point. Next article. Octane in your blood. Humans on the Gulf Coast show dangerous levels of toxic exposure. Hexane is way high. Treatment for organ damage recommended. And and there's a full lab report on that article. Next article. Florida, Alabama area. Tests show ethyl benzene and other hydrocarbons in the blood of coastal residents. Everyone is getting sick. It is becoming an aerosol. And there's a video for that. So I'm telling you, this stuff is, is flat out getting in people's blood. People are getting sick. And it's not being reported. Total media blackout, as far as I can see. Maybe you'll see something on a local re- uh, local newscast, maybe. But I've been monitoring our local news from back home, and there's nothing. There's nothing at all about this. And um, I, I know they're taking their marching orders from Big Brother. Because the media is controlled. So... Bear in mind, this thing is not over, and it's most likely only going to get worse. Next article. Uh, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to talk a, a lot about um, Obama. Uh, I had somebody up there say that they thought that I was being like keen on Obama, almost like a racial thing, like because he's black. And I thought to myself, I don't care if the guy's red, green, orange, or yellow. I'm still going to expose him. I don't care about the color of his skin. I mean, give me a break. I did the same thing on Bush, except Bush hadn't done... I mean, Bush was bad. Don't get me wrong. And I referred a lot of people to... Um, there was an article that Cutting Edge had called The Fruits of Bush. For, I referred a lot of people to that article that exposed um, Bush, as well as I would of Clinton or whatever. But this is not about... Some racial thing on my part. Uh, Again, you know, it it wouldn't matter what he looked like. The man needs to be exposed. And I understand he's a puppet on a string. I understand that. But he is the chief puppet by which they're implementing this evil. Okay? And again, prayer is the main thing. I'm not denying that at all. But um, people need to also be educated on how evil this regime, this administration is. Uh, it's unbelievable. Let's let's go further. This is from the Center for Individual Freedom. They said Barack Obama just invited the United Nations to join his ongoing fight against Arizona and dozens of other states attempting to enforce immigration laws that he refuses to enforce. So now Obama not only is suing Arizona for trying to enforce their immigration laws, but now he's trying to get the United Nations to help him. Unfortunately, you read that right. On August 20th, the United States, for the first time ever, submitted a 29-page universal periodic review to the UN Human Rights Council, which outlines a laundry list of human right abuses allegedly committed by the United States. So, he's such a traitorous little rat that he actually went to the United Nations, and it's like like he wants to... um, Reminds me of a little kid tattletailing on somebody. Oh, Mr. United Nations, look what we're doing. We're evil. We're wicked. You have to stop this. Because there's a lot of public outrage over the fact that... So he wants to get global government involved so they can enforce this stuff. This contained within that list of so-called abuses is a direct condemnation of SB... 1070, the legislation enacted by the state of Arizona and supported by an overwhelming majority of American people, which seeks to do the job that the federal government has refused to do, which is secure the border. Specifically, the Obama administration wrote in the report, quote, A recent Arizona law, SB 1070, has generated significant attention and debate at home and around the world. The issue is being addressed 
in a court action that argues that the federal government has the authority to set and enforce immigration law. That action is ongoing. Parts of the law are currently enjoined. The submission of this UPR is the first step in the United Nations review process, which will accumulate with an issuance of a plan of action approximately 90 days from now from a panel of UN bureaucrats from France, Japan, and Cameroon. Oh, I'm sure that whatever they say will be in our best interest. At that point, the United States would be expected to voluntarily comply with the panel's recommendations. But the UN Human Rights Council states on its website, quote, Human Rights Council will decide on the measures it would need to take in case of a persistent non-cooperation by the state. What does that imply? What are they going to do? Send in UN troops to force Arizona to comply? I can see them doing it. And this literally could be the the start of overt UN control. I mean, I understand the UN controls a lot of stuff, but I'm talking about overt control, where it's like right out in the open, UN troops and these types of things. I honestly think that they picked the wrong issue to try to implement this, because there's enough public outrage over this issue that I believe there'll be serious um, resistance to this. Because this is so insane, what Obama's doing. I mean, it's it's just so insane on so many levels. We've reported on this almost weekly now. In short, Barack Obama has upped the ante. Not content with simply filing a frivolous federal lawsuit against the people of Arizona, Obama has transformed his amnesty feud with the American people into an international human rights case and effectively has placed the people of Arizona and other states that are considering similar border security bills under the jurisdiction of a gang of American-hating United Nations bureaucrats. Now, I give you a hyperlink that you can... The problem is, is, is uh, what I hate is when you have these organizations and they they build you up and build you up and build you up and then it's donate $50 now. So we can, I mean, that happens a lot with these types of organizations. And I really have to question their motivation when you hear that. Um, and this is like you can do like 530 faxes and there's all these different ones. Now, granted, if you're led to do that, it's fine. But I really wanted to give you the information so that you could pray about it um, and, and do that. But they go on here. It says you can use the hyperlink, hyperlink below to send urgent and personalized blast faxes to Republican Democrat leaders. And again, I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that this is what this says. Uh, tell them in no uncertain terms that... And there's other ways you can contact them, too. It doesn't cost any money. Tell them in certain uncertain terms that President Obama has gone too far and that his latest attempt to sick the United Nations on Arizona and the 22 other states considering similar immigration enforcement legislation and the people of the United States is an effort is an affront to our national sovereignty and cannot be tolerated. Tell them to stand up against President Obama and secure the borders now. So I wanted just to let you know that that was going on there. He's really going, he's, he's off, he's out of his mind. I mean, I understand he's taking orders, but man alive, you talk about <laughs> no shame in his game. Uh, next article, which kind of reiterates in the last, Obama wants global judgment on the U.S., uh, the Obama administration recently turned in the Universal Periodic Review Report for the United States, uh, which was the 29-page document we just mentioned. Arizona Governor Jan Brewer, in a letter to Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton, said the idea of our government submitting the duly enacted laws of a state of the United States for review by the United Nations is internationalism run amok and is unconstitutional. In the war on terrorism, Obama said it will treat al-Qaeda... Now, this is part of that 29-page review. In the war on terrorism, Obama said it will treat al-Qaeda as a state with full legal standing. <laughs> That's nice. Other subjects addressed included education. Oh, I'm sure that the education would, would be... I'm, I'm sure that it's going to include a lot of uh, stressing that we need to have biblical values implemented, right? I don't think so. Uh, also talked about employment and Indian affairs. Officials with the U.S. State Department said the submission of the report is just the first step. The next step will be a formal presentation by the U.S. government explaining to the panel at the Human Rights Council meeting in Geneva. It's like going to Satan and saying, well, Mr. Satan, um, 
we got we're doing bad stuff. I mean, I know we're evil too, and we know you're evil. But can you police our evil? Here, here's my 29-page report, and it's evil, and you're evil, and I know something good will come out of it, right? I mean, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. I mean, this is just pure... Uh, it's insane. Let's go further. It says, aside from Obama administration's obvious self-aggrandizement, President... The reason it says that is President Obama is referred to over 20 times in the 25-page report. Uh, he's a narcissistic devil. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, I heard his motto. He, when he gets up every morning, he looks in the mirror, and he says to himself, if loving me is wrong, I don't want to be right. Sorry, I just made that up. But anyway, that's what I, w- that's what I would envision him saying. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, President Obama is referred to over 20 times in the 25-page report, and his health care reform is credited with vast achievements that have yet to be review, re, yet to be realized, if they ever will. Yeah, his healthcare reform, vast achievements. I mean, everyone's so happy over that. You know, it's great. Can hardly wait. Um, the Obama administration said the chance to quote discuss with our citizenry and with fellow members of the Human Rights Council our accomplishments, challenges, and vision for the future is good. He says, he said, quote, we welcome observations and recommendations that can help us on the road to a more perfect union. End of quote. That's good old Obama. More perfect abomination. Next article. Obama's secret plan for November victory. This is from CapitalNews.com. Um, as Matt Meyer vividly described in the New Heritage Web Memo, the Obama administration is implementing a de facto amnesty uh, a de facto amnesty. I lost my place here, I'm sorry. A de facto amnesty that will allow the vast majority of illegal aliens to remain in the United States without being disturbed by the Department of Homeland Security or any attempts to deport them. Because see, at all it matters is the illegal aliens' rights. Our rights don't matter for a hill of beans. We gotta protect these illegal aliens. That's the motto, right? The administration is apparently, oh, and I, the, the one lady said something about that, about me saying something about illegal aliens. Ma'am, I'm sorry, but that's what they're called. I mean, they're called illegal aliens. They're here illegally. I'm not being prejudiced because I'm calling somebody an illegal alien. You could be from Europe. You could be from England and come over as a white person. Caucasian that look just like me and I'd still call them an illegal alien. So I'm not being prejudiced when I'm calling people illegal aliens. They're here illegally. That's the main issue. Anyway. Um, the administration is apparently extending no prosecution of illegal voting by non-citizens. We, we need to let them vote too. I mean, they're here illegally. We need to give them driver's licenses. We need to let them vote. We need to pay for all their health care. We need to ha- let them have as many babies here as possible. Get them on all kind of subsidy programs and, and, and help them. Get them in the public schools. Dilute our population. And make sure, above all else, they vote. Who do you think they're going to vote for? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so the administration extending no prosecution of illegal voting by non-citizens and a green light to becoming a citizen, even if you violated federal law. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Going further, the Fox story cites immigration advocates claiming that illegal voting can be an honest mistake. The director of Immigration Advocates Network says that there are a lot of people are truly very unaware about not being eligible to vote. Are you kidding me? I I mean, it's such an asinine statement, and that's not a cuss word, that's in the dictionary that is such a crazy statement i don't even know where to begin with that but this is what they're saying the fox story cites immigration advocates claiming that illegal voting can be an honest mistake the director of immigration advocates network says a lot of people are truly very unaware about them not being eligible to vote really the official federal voter registration form available in in the original article they gave you the link asks you at the top of the form, in its very first question, even before you fill in your name, it says, guess what it says? Are you a citizen of the United States of America? 
But they're, they're truly, they don't know. They don't have a clue, poor things. In the signature block on the form, it also specifically asks you to swear or affirm that I am a United States citizen. So, two times. So this is an honest mistake. What a joke. It's a felony. As long as President Obama occupies, and that is a correct word from the White House, criminals from all other nations will control our jobs, streets, and money. This is why we need a regime change on November 2nd. Our president has told the United Nations that Arizona is racist. It looks like he has lost the moral and ethical compass. I, I would say he never, ever had one. And um, anyway, just something to uh, to give you there. Oh, correction on the last report. How I had the picture about Obama speaking in that Muslim... Now, that's, an, that's a good picture. That was an original picture. But there were some things that were untrue about the picture. And Snopes had a rebuttal on that picture. But I have a rebuttal to Snopes' rebuttal because Snopes many times is nothing more than disinformation. Please do not think that Snopes is some kind of gold standard and just because somebody gives me something from Snopes, I'm supposed to say, oh yeah, it's all true. I can't tell you how many times I've seen things from Snopes that are false or particularly for disinformation. In fact, I have a whole Word document exposing Snopes that I can send you. Just email me and I'll send it to you. Snopes is no gold standard, is what I'm trying to tell. I'm not saying they're always wrong, but many times they are. I write in this, here's what I wrote. In the Snopes rebuttal, you will see that um, it is not denying that this is the decor of Obama, the picture that we had. It is denying that there were stars and stripes in the background. Um, it is denying that there was a stars and stripes background with the other recent presidents in the Oval Office, which that part is true. But remember, I said in the Oval Office. The decor, which is authentic in this picture of Obama, was taken actually in the East Room, not the Oval Office. That's the big discrepancy. Okay? And this picture was taken on May 27, 2010, regarding the Gulf Crisis. The Snopes article does admit there were no flags in the East Room during this picture, which there wasn't. But personally, I have never seen a president with such a Middle Eastern decor. So to deny there's no truth in this information is going way too far, whereas things do need to be clarified, and I'll, I will try to do this in the next teaching, which is what I'm doing. So I just wanted to clarify that one point on the, on the picture there. Um, next article. Islamization of Paris is a warning to the West. Uh, a hidden camera shows streets blocked by huge crowds of Muslim worshippers enforced by a private security force. This is all illegal in France. The public worship, the block streets, and the private security. But the police have been ordered not to intervene. It shows that even though some of the French government want to get tough with Muslims and ban the burqa, other parts of the French government continue to give Islam a privileged status. More out of fear now than anything else. An ordinary French citizen who has been watching the Islamization of Paris decided that the world needed to see what was happening to his city. He used a hidden camera and started posting videos on YouTube. His life has been threatened, so he uses the alias of Max, Maxime Laponte. Uh, I'm just going to play this clip real quick. It's just a short clip. And... Um, you won't be able to watch it, obviously, but you'll be able to hear it. And you can come up on the PDF that I will post, and you can watch it for yourself. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and play this clip here, and uh, we'll comment it along the way, most likely. This is a Friday in Paris, filmed by hidden camera. The streets are blocked by a huge crowd of Muslim worshippers, and it's enforced by private security. This is all illegal in France. The public worship, the blocked streets, and the private security. But the police have been ordered not to intervene. It shows that even though some in the French government want to get tough with the Muslims and ban the burqa, other parts of the French government continue to give Islam privilege. Now, bear in mind something. This is exactly the same type of pictures that we got into last week that I put up on the PDF about the Muslims in the street of New York City. And I know that's going on in at least three places in New York City where whole streets are being shut down. And a lot of times, well, you'll, you'll see here, a lot of times it's not because they don't have room. It's because they're doing it on purpose to intimidate and to force their 
belief system and religion down everyone's throat to force us to accommodate them. Village status. An ordinary French citizen who was watching the Islamization of Paris decided that the world needed to see what was happening to his city. So he bought a hidden camera and started posting the videos on YouTube. His life has been threatened and so we're concealing his identity. He uses the alias of Maxime Lepont. Uh, they are blocking the streets with barriers. They are playing on the ground and the, the inhabitants of this district cannot leave their home nor go into their home during those prayers. The Muslims who are taking over those streets do not have any authorization. They do not go to the police headquarters, so it's completely illegal. So what they're doing is completely illegal, and they're lining, they're showing these people lining down sidewalks and streets and all this stuff. The people that live in these apartment buildings that are there cannot get in or out of their apartment buildings while they're doing this. I mean, this is insane. These Muslims have been granted unofficial rights that no Christian group is likely to get under France's laicite or secularism law. So it says people have the right to uh, share any belief they want, any religion, but they have to uh, practice at home or in the mosque, uh, synagogues, uh, churches and so on. Some say these Muslims must pray in the street because they need a larger mosque. But Maxime has observed cars coming from other parts of Paris, and he believes it's a weekly display of Muslim power. They are coming there to show that they can take over some French streets, to show that uh, they can conquer a part of the French territory. If France faces an Islamic future, it took a Russian to write about it. It's the best-selling novel, The Mosque of Notre Dame, 2048, a bestseller in Russia, not in France. The French publisher, Jean Robin, says the French media ignored the book for being politically incorrect. So Islam is seen as the religion, religion of the poor people. And so you can't uh, say to the poor people, you're wrong, otherwise you're a fascist. That's how it goes. The book lays out a dark future when France has become a Muslim nation and the famous cathedral has been turned into a mosque. Whether that plot is far-fetched depends on whom you ask. Muslims are said to be no more than 10% of the French population, although no one knows for sure because French law prohibits population counts by religion. But the birth rate for Muslims is significantly higher than for native French. Some Muslim men are said to practice polygamy, a charge this man faced, in some cases with each extra wife having children and collecting a welfare check. With Islam, is not only a problem of numbers. The problem of Islam is a problem of uh, really principles. Is Islam a, a political ideology or is it just a creed? French philosopher Radu Stinescu is an Islamic expert who debates Muslim leaders on French TV. doesn't matter how many they are. The problem is the people who follow Islam are there somehow in a political party who has a political agenda which means basically implementing Sharia and, and build an Islamic state. From the now, I totally disagree with his last statement. He said it doesn't matter how many of them there are. That's all that matters. Because it's a proven fact, and I, I put this out before, that when there's a certain number of Islamic people at like 10%, 15 20 it shows exactly what they start doing as their percentages of the population climb until it gets up to near 100%. And I mean, you know, at that point, even practicing Christianity, you're 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 literally uh, risking your life. Uh, it's a matter of time before you're martyred. You know, if you go to a lot of these Middle Eastern countries where you've got almost 100% uh, Muslim, Islamic type of population. So he's wrong. That's what matters most is how many of them are actually in the population centers where they go. And the, more, and the less resistance they have, the more of them will flow in to that particular culture. That's how it works with them. It's all about numbers. That all, and, and how they, how they um, increase their numbers is one of the main ways there. They're, a lot of them are polygamous. They have multiple wives, and they're just trying to churn out as many children as possible so that they can increase their numbers. That's one of the main ways they do it. I mean, who in their right mind would want to convert to that religion? I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, it doesn't look real appealing in any way, shape, or form. 
I understand that they do a lot of recruiting in the prisons, particularly to the black populations. And it's so ironic because I read you the quotes last week about what Muhammad said about the black races. And, I mean, you talk about derogatory. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than what they feel about black races. And yet, there's so many um, black Muslims in America. I, I just don't understand. I, 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 evidently, it's just being totally withheld. But, I mean, the quotes are there. And he's the guy that started the religion. So, um, I just kind of wanted to... Oh, and also, the thing with the burqa, you know why they wear those burqas? One of the main reasons? Because they believe that any facial hair on their face, even the eyebrows, anything showing, any hair showing, is a direct dagger into Allah's eye. That's what they believe about why they have to wear those burqas and totally cover up. Because every hair that's showing on a woman on her face is like a... or I guess on her body, would be a direct dagger into Allah's eye. Yeah, that, that, sound, that sounds plausible. Anyway, let's go further. The 1980s until just recently, it was a social taboo to criticize or oppose Islam. And so the government and media effectively helped Islam spread throughout the country. We were expecting Islam to adapt to France. Now it's France adapting itself to Islam. About the veil, this Muslim says Europeans should respect Muslim dress. This woman says the veil is in the Quran, and we only submit to God and nobody else. Even if many government elites in France are in denial over Islam, the people in the streets increasingly are not. And they're becoming fed up with what they see as the growing Islamization of this country. They've started staging pork and wine aperitifs or cocktail parties in the street. They're patriotic demonstrations meant to strike back against Islam. Another national demonstration is planned for this Saturday. It looks as if a public backlash against Islam has begun. The French parliament will debate a new burqa law this month. And this French leader has a warning for the West and for America. We cannot accept the development of such practice because it's not compatible with the life in our in a modern society, you see. And this question is not only a French question. You will all have to face this challenge. Dale heard CBN News, Paris. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and go to part three here, our final part. God bless.